to answer? Um, well, I just uh, wrote uh, what the roadblocks I found, uh, uh, and then I wrote a few questions, but uh, I'll let you um, see what's, uh, <laughs> what answer I need. <laughs> okay. Okay. But it's good to see you again, Ryan. Yeah, very nice to see you. <laughs> okay, so what I uh, found was um, so I tried to, to 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 create the satisfaction feeling and um, also the success feeling. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I uh, found out is that um, what helped me uh, was a. Uh, First, uh, not wanting so hard to not want and be satisfied. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that's I could the essence it. of the practice. That's it. Because yeah. <laughs> I could do it easily before, but after our call, um, I was trying really hard and I could not uh, find it again. So I just, uh, you know, let go. Working really hard is the problem, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I noticed and I just uh, stopped trying to create this feeling and, and it came about very easily. Mm. And I just let go of everything. It, uh, it's like it's underneath uh, all effort or, or tension. Mm -hmm. So a basic way of saying it is, is that if we start with satisfaction, then we really do not have anything else to do. That's all there was to do is just to get the mind into a state of satisfaction. But that's hard to do because we often want things. Yeah. That in fact, many people go so far as wanting satisfaction. That's what I did. <laughs> and the actual answer, the surprise answer to that is, is that you're okay without that kind of satisfaction. Be satisfied without that. Whatever you're thinking of is satisfaction. And be satisfied with in a new way of satisfaction, easy satisfaction. Well, it's okay. It's all right. That uh, this method of Anapanasati, even the way that it's written and translated, seems to be a job to do, work to be done. And that that comes, I think, a lot from the translators and the mentality of the people who are teaching and uh, reading about Buddhism is that it has that even the last statement that the Buddha said is translated as strive. Mm -hmm. the, and the word actually doesn't mean that. It means more of persist or keep going. Never mind, start again. Just keep going back over and over and over again. But do that easily. We don't have to strive at any one of those times. We just get up, start again. Yeah. That's the uh, making it an easy practice. In fact, that's how we can do uh, is uh, an easy statement that we can give ourselves that would be kind of like a mantra, which would be take it easy. Let it be easy. Everything is easy. No place to go. It's all easy. And we can talk ourselves into um, actually getting the results in an easy way. Because, in fact, we got easy, and that was what we were looking for in the first place. It's just easy satisfaction. Yeah. Easy. As opposed to hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So just start with that word easy. 
Everything is easy. Then in fact, what we're looking for is a various actual wholesome thoughts, thoughts that we know for sure are wholesome. Because that will help us distinguish the thoughts of what's not wholesome. Like yeah. this is not easy would then be an unwholesome thought. This is easy would be a wholesome thought. I'm not sure about what to do. That's an unwholesome thought because everybody actually does know how to take it easy. It's yeah. not a hard it's not hard to do. We've been taking it easy from time to time our whole lives, just not very well and not very often. Yeah, on vacation. <laughs> yeah, right. We take it. But here's the yeah. funny thing about uh, the average vacation is that people go someplace and do something. They buy an expensive room and an expensive hotel and then have to go do everything that that hotel has to offer. Yeah. And by the time the vacation is over, they do need a rest. <laughs> <laughs> And so going back to work is a rest from a vacation. That's right. Yeah. And we think that we've missed something if we take two weeks off and don't do anything at all. But that's severe vacation. Just some ways of talking about it is puttering around the house. But a better way of thinking is, is that we're just going to putter around the mind. We're just going to kind of check it out and see how things are. Take it easy. That's what would be a real vacation. And there's kind of like a fear of uh, missing out too. Ah, um, well, missing out yeah. on what? Something you don't have? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely. Right. In fact, that's the whole, that's, that's very much built into the propaganda machine that is the media. Oh, you better watch our channel or you'll miss out on something. Or you got to come to our church or you'll miss out on something. Yeah. Or you yeah, got to donate like, uh, to our university or you'll miss out on something. Right. So there's always the threat or the fear of loss. And that threat or fear of loss is an unwholesome thought because you've already got everything that you need. I mean, you're still alive. You're breathing. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we really need is just to be alive and be breathing. That should be enough. And that's easy enough to do. Yeah. <laughs> no effort needed. No effort needed at all. Yeah. But the thought comes, I'll miss out on something. And now it's heavy. Yeah, now it's a need. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I must be missing out on something that I need. So our society is built upon teaching people that they'll miss out on something if they don't do it the way that they're told to do it. And the whole society is based upon that kind of rules and the punishment for the rules. You either abide by the rules or you'll miss out. Mm -hmm. And so we collect that set of rules in our mind and there seems to be no end to them. Just more and more and more pile of rules so that you wind up breaking some rule or another all the time. It's better to take a rest from those rules. Yeah. Yeah. The um, those rules, by the way, that I'm talking about are well known and well understood in certain circles. Uh, Freud called this the super ego. And um, 
a really easy and good way to understand it is the way that Eric Byrne described it as the parent ego state. Because basically when we're children, we learn all of those rules from the parents. So what we're doing when we're adults is we're just playing the old tapes that our parents recorded in our minds so many years ago. And so uh, looking at it as the parent ego state is a good way. The Buddha just talks about it directly, attachment to rites, rules, and rituals, having rules, having ways of doing things, and we're supposed to obey the rules, or guess what? A mess out on something. Yeah, it's like conditioning. Mm-hmm. Precisely. We are conditioned that way. And so when with that condition, we see the whole world through those conditioned lenses, those dark lenses that condition our reality. And so actually the practice of Anapanasati is to remove that conditioning, to take off those blinders, to take off those uh, uh, foggy glasses, or those dirty glasses that we're wearing and see things much more clearly and directly. And guess what? That foggy set of glasses that we're wearing is not inside the, uh, uh, or on top of the face uh, between the object and the eye. No, that fog is from the eye into the mind. Yeah. And we have to remove that fog there it really does feel like this like a blurry uh, <laughs> lenses yeah right it's just a set of rules a jumble of say thicket of rules and views is called and the reality is is that right now i don't have to follow anybody's rules i can just relax mm-hmm. and so we don't have to make anapanasati a rule because it's just a method to learn to relax, to start having to think of rules to follow and then trying to follow those rules. Recognize right now there's no rules, everything's okay. So did that give voice to your question? Yeah, yeah, that makes uh, a lot of sense. And um, I noticed also a lot of, uh, of the thoughts I was having. Mm-hmm. Um, when I uh, when I come back, um, I I noticed it's a lot about what uh, I'm going to say to other people. Maybe some something it's about approval or something like this. Precise. Kind of a conditioning, and almost all of them are about approval. Once I take out the safety and you know the basic rules, um, it's more like a social thing for me. Right, exactly. And part of the reason why we need approval is because that will give us the stability like a, a tripod. Add an extra leg, get somebody else's opinion to back me up because I'm unstable, I'm unsure. I don't have that third leg for myself. Okay, so I'm kind of wobbly. So the answer to that is recognizing that we really don't need that third leg of support that we can actually balance on the two that we've got and our feet. And so uh, with this in mind, we can recognize that there's many ways of talking about this stuff called the approval that you're using. Another way would be uh, complaining or uh, justifying or storytelling. 
that we yeah. want to go justify our event in meditation by going and telling that story to someone. And yeah. then we're wound up more with the story that we told than we are of the original experience, which was kind of small. But by the time we tell it as a story, we've already made it big and heavy in the mind. But if we had the idea, oh, wait a minute, it was already lightweight in the first place, I could just forget it. I don't have to carry that story around looking for somebody to uh, dump it on. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, justifying um, something. Yeah. Right. And so what that does is that it begins to get us out of our selfishness because those stories are all about approval of of me of my story, my situation, my dependency upon uh, approval. But yeah. when we already feel okay and don't need approval because we approve of ourselves already, and that's the thing, we're not going to approve of ourselves. See, the way that it is, we set a standard, we set a rule, and then we want someone else to justify that we've done that rule or not. Yeah. But if free for rules and we don't have any rules, then we're already okay. But if you need to, you can say whatever rule it was that I need justification for, I could just say, okay, I don't need that justification. I don't need approval from anyone. I don't have to tell my story to anyone. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I'm okay without having to blab all over the place in order to get approval of someone else making my story okay i don't need the story the story gets heavy if i carry those stories around then uh they get heavy after a while anyway pardon yeah it feels like um it's something from childhood to you know ask your parents to uh you know i did this <laughs> is this good or something like this that's right. When we are kids, we are seeking approval from mommy on a regular basis because yeah, yeah. basically we're afraid of breaking the rules. And so we want to make sure that we're doing OK. And so we're approval seeking and approval seeking and approval seeking. And the mommy in each one of us kind of likes that, but the daddy inside of us doesn't. Yeah. And so. Uh, when we recognize that, hey, wait a minute, I'm good, I'm good enough without the approval, don't need any I'm already okay. Then we stop seeking approval so much. And we begin to then approve more and more of ourselves until we're okay. That you're already okay, but you've been told somehow that you're not okay because you're not up to these rules. But if we just throw those rules out, then you're already okay. There's no standards that you have to meet. You're already there. Or another way of saying it, that uh, if we have the opportunity to lower the bar, to lower the standards, then let's set it as low as we possibly can. And then the, the, the standard becomes now Dukkha, Dukkha Dorota. That's the only standard or only bar that we need. And when I'm needing somebody's permission, I've just broken that rule yeah. because I'm in Dukkha. Let me uh, uh, at least make that tiny baby step. Oh, I'm already okay. Because that, in fact, that Dukkha is the expression of I'm not okay. 
Anything that I attach to is a me, and if it's not okay, then I'm not okay, and I'm, just, I'm unsatisfied. And often when we're unsatisfied, we get frustrated, and what we really need to do is investigation. That things are probably not quite as bad as they seemed if we would just investigate. But often we already decide, oh, it broke the rule, oh, this is terrible, oh, it'll never get any better than this. And now we're in heavy, heavy territory of duping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Instead of saying, well, I'm not really sure if it's really all of that broken, let me do a further investigation. And in yeah. fact, when that further investigation is done, then we're not dwelling on the fact that it's broken. Now we're actually investigating. And that's a wholesome thing to do is to look, to investigate. That's very wholesome. So you mean um, by investigate, you mean question, where am I coming from? Um, oh, no, 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 not at all. Not at just all. Look okay. at it. Yes. OK, well, let's take that and step back a little bit. <laughs> yes. okay. All right. Um, first off, in the, the concept of right, noble view, we have to understand what that means. That normally views are like a worldview or a position or a posture and that one of the ways that some people look at the world is I can do what I want to do and get away with it. In other words, whatever the standards are, whatever the rules are, I can break those rules and get away with it. And we all of us feel that way from time to time. An example of that is when we blow over our nose and we don't have a handkerchief, whatever we do with it, we've broken some rule. Even by blowing our nose is breaking some rule, right? So that whole idea of some sort of rule that we've got is we're always uh, in a position to have broken something or another. And therefore, we become dissatisfied. Now, the thing of it is, is that we often remember the rules that we're breaking while we're breaking them and forget the fact that we're actually doing some rule that's beneficial, like that it's better to blow your nose and get all of that gunk out so that we can breathe well, which was the natural tendency in the first place. And so uh, by not blowing our nose, we're breaking yet another rule. So whether you blow your nose or not, you've broken a rule. If you're rule bound, better thing to do is let's forget about all of these rules and then it doesn't matter whether you blow your nose or what you do with the results <laughs> and you're okay so this is the quality that we're looking for we're looking for that quality that everything is all right everything is fine and now we need to keep that in mind and keep talking to ourselves in that regard staying wholesome things everything's okay everything's fine there's no worries there's no rules to break here's another one that i like very much this one's in the suttas the job that needed to be done has already been done the job the big job that needed to be done has already been done and what is job is that having that thought is the job by thinking I've got no more work to do, that's yeah. the job to that's the right job to do. The wrong exactly. job is to say, no, I've got more work to do. I'm not finished yet. Mm, OK, I'm going to write it down. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. Good job is done. The job is finished. What needed to be done has been done. And what really needs to be done in any particular time is to get the mind out of the hindrances and into a wholesome state. That's the only job that ever needs to be done. To realize it is already done. Mm -hmm. Once the mind has already been brightened up, gladdened up, whatever job that needed to be done has been done. But we make a mistake often. This is the ignorance. We think that all the job that needs to be done is to make me feel better. I feel tense and uptight and anxious, and there's got to be something that's causing this. Oh, I know. I've got to write a letter to the boss. And yeah. so now I've got to go write a letter to the boss and have all the feelings about that. In fact, no, the anxiety is the job. Not the writing of the email to get rid of the anxiety, because writing an email never gets rid of anxiety. It creates more of it. Yeah, like it's coming from within. It's coming it's from within. It's never about uh, other. And so doing the job within is all the job that needs to be done. The external job is optional. And in fact, when we take the word job out of it and make it a toy, now we can happily play with the toy of an email to the boss because yeah. we're already in a good state. But if I'm uptight and anxious, that's not a good time to write an email. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's probably not going to be as efficient and uh, as uh, fruitful as a job. Done Precisely. Thing. In fact, it may have the wrong thing in it that the boss doesn't like at all. Especially <laughs> if it starts out because we're anxious and uptight, we start off with an apology. That may not be the right thing to do with a boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, this is really the job that needs to be done. It's not whatever job there is on the outside. The real job that be done is so easy to do if we remember to do it. And that is take a look and to see. So we got started on the view. So let's continue on with that and talk about the fact that now there's a right view that's an ordinary right view. And its primary statement is, oh, no, you can't get away with it. And we'll make sure that you can't get away with it because we make the rules. And we're going to hire police and a military and we're going to hire cops, we're going to get nannies, and we're going to get school teachers, and we're going to get all kinds of people to make sure that you're not going to get away with it. And if that doesn't work, then we're going to hire a priest. We're going to make sure that even when you're dead, you're not going to get away with it. So these are the two views that we have, which you could think of would be as progressive. I could go get this done and get away with it. And the conservative, oh, no, you can't. We're going to keep the things the way that they are, and we're going to enforce our own rules about it. And so these are the various conflicts that you see across boundaries, across borders, across political parties, across everything. It's this ordinary wrong view and ordinary right view of I want something, and no, you can't have it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But there now is a third way, the noble right view. And the noble right view is not a view or a standard or a viewpoint, but it's now we're actually changing it from a noun into a verb and calling it viewing. 
investigating, looking, and we're not looking at the past. We're looking at what's happening right now. We can't see what was in the past. We can reflect upon the past, and there's actually some value in doing that. But what we really need to do is instead of reflecting upon the past, is get very good at seeing what's happening right now. And when we get that skill, then it will be of some value to reflect on the past. But right now, what we need to do is to get the mind at least cleaned out right now. Then we can go back and visit the dirty mind from before. But right now, let's get the mind clean. So it's like being aware, right? Being aware, uh, viewing. There are many words, that. okay. One of the ways that I would say would be useful in English would to say to pay attention. Okay. What do I mean by pay? Well, that's one's right effort. We have to put some effort in this. We have to pay attention as opposed to awareness because awareness, the way that Westerners think of it, has no, no skin in the game. It's got no oomph to it. Yeah, it's just already yeah. here. Yeah. Right. But if the Duke is going to be this big, we need to at least get something this big to push it down. So we got to put some skin in the game or um, the way that Mahasi would refer to it in the old literature is that you have to seize the object. This is also what we would mean by the breathing that many people think that all they have to do is just mind the breath or watch the breath. But no, we have to pay attention to the breath in a sense that we got to control the breath. We got to make sure that this is a longer than normal, deeper than normal breath. And an, uh, coming in and a longer than normal, deeper than normal breath out, because partly we're going to energize the body with the breath, bringing the oxygen in because that's that's what gives us life. Uh, if we don't have oxygen in the system, then things begin to break down in a hurry. And so we need to keep that oxygen going to keep that mill in process. That's why we breathe all night. I mean, we sleep all night, but the heart keeps pumping all night and certain functions of the brain keep operating all night. And we need that energy to live. Well, if we need that to live, then in fact, many people say, well, what about eating? Well, you can go 30 days without eating, maybe longer. Yeah. You can go a week without drinking. You can go a lifetime without sex. We could go forever without riding in an automobile. But we can't last two minutes without that next breath. Maybe five if you're trained well. But if you're trained well, then you're not going to. So the, all you have to do to stay alive right now is to take this next breath. It's life-giving. That's how important it is if we begin to see that the only thing in my life that is important, it's this next breath. Then I should pay attention to it because that's what's going to keep me alive. And if I take a really good breath, it's going to make me vibrantly alive, bringing all that oxygen in and oxygenating the blood, as well as a good deep long out breath is then going to throw out the carbon dioxide and many other pollutants and chemicals. The residue of adrenaline and other things will come out with the breath. That's one of the reasons why people who have been angry or working hard, their breath stinks. And so we want to um, breathe well. And so that's part of the Anapanasati practice is so that uh, we breathe 
and we watch the breathing, we seize that as an object. That part of the training is, is that you cannot control the breathing unless you're using the mind to do that, which means you're controlling the mind. And this is basically what we're going to do is learn to take control of the situation rather than running on automatic pilot the way that we learned to do as kids. Just to go along to get along. And now we're not really thinking about what's going on. But here in this practice of Anapanasati, we're going to put some skin in the game. We're going to really take control of the situation. Because if I could take control of the mind enough to watch the breath, pay attention to the breath, guess what? I've already taken control of it to take it out of the hindrances. While yeah. I'm watching the breath, the mind is not hindered. Especially if I'm having good wholesome thoughts like, wow, this is such a good breath. Wow, I can feel the air move. I can feel the, the clarity in the nostrils and, and the brightness of the chest as that air comes in. If you feel oh, really good. And so we begin to get into a wholesome state of mind with the breathing, as well as intentionally having the kind of thoughts that are uplifting, wholesome, and gladdening. And guess what? Within a few deep breaths and a few happy thoughts, we begin to feel okay also. That we can literally talk ourselves into and breathe ourselves into feeling relaxed and feeling easy. And that's the process right there. It's actually a one, two, three, and then later four punch. The first one is um, the remembering to investigate or to look. Look at the breathing. Look at how we feel. Look at what's going on in the mind. These would be the three things that we would look at and observe. And especially what's happening in the mind, like if we're thinking about writing an email to the boss, hey, I don't have to write that. E in fact, I'm not writing that email to the boss. Why am I thinking about it? Just making yeah. myself feel bad by thinking about it right now. My intention is to feel good. Just throw that email out and put some happy thoughts in. I, I don't have to write that email right now. Don't have anything to do right now. The boss can wait. Everything is okay and everything is fine. And so we come back to that state. And now the job that needed to be done has been done. When we got the email on the mind, the job to be done is not to go write the email. The job to be done is to throw out the thoughts about the email. That's the job that needs to be done. Isn't that amazing? And now we're free from that email. It's gone. Yeah. It'll return, but that's okay. I can do the same thing again and again and again and again and again. So that's why it becomes a practice that we repeat over and over and over again. You can't just learn a piece of music by trying by seeing the sheet music and playing it one time unless you've been doing that a whole lot. No, Most it's people, we have to practice. We have to practice it, practice it, practice. The question is, can you practice happily? Because that's what we're practicing is to be happy, practicing to be satisfied. And so we're not going to practice with a drudgery. We're going to practice with gotchas. We're practicing being easy. And so we remember over and over again, every time the mind gets uneasy, we remember that and bring it back to being in a state of ease again. So this is sati, to remember to look at the mind, then to look, and then to make a little change. 
those three things run and circle around each other. Right view, right effort, and right sati. They run and circle around each other. And as they do, and as we practice that, they become skills. And something else happens. Confidence. The confidence, if I can do this, and 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 I can do this, we begin to build confidence. Yes, I can do this. And that's when it goes from mere satisfaction into the feeling of success. I can do it. Okay. Right. I can't do this. That's the pity. That's the champion. That's uh, an example is running down the football field. The quarterback makes a touchdown. When he does score, that team guy, whatever it is, score he or uh, whatever scored, what do they do when they make a score? They celebrate. Yeah. They celebrate. Right. Then that way, our life becomes a celebration. Yeah, because you always have thoughts. And... <laughs> because we're successful yeah. at being happy. We've talked ourselves into it often enough that now we begin to have the attitude of being successful. And that's the ultimate success, right? To be happy right. all the time. The ultimate success is the feeling of success. Yeah, yeah. that's why we do... Uh things to be successful, to feel successful. To feel successful, we do a lot of stuff. Now right, we yeah, don't have yeah. to do anything anymore because we already feel successful. We built that up. Yeah. So we don't have to compete anymore in order to feel good. We already feel good. We don't have to compete. Isn't that amazing? No. <laughs> <laughs> that takes almost all of the work out of it. It really makes things easy because I don't have to compete with other people. I don't have to get their affection. I don't have to want anything from them. I'm already okay. And it is very stable because you don't depend on uh, any external stuff except being alive <laughs> or breathing. Ah, that's the whole idea then is, is that they will still need you. And before you needed them and they needed you, that's like two people drowning, clutching each other. Mm -hmm. But if you already know how to swim now, and when you, you have somebody them. drowning, you know how to throw them a life draft. You can just, hey, man, come, come chill. <laughs> mm -hmm. Don't drown yeah. in your worry. Chill out. So we can actually become a light unto the, uh, to others when we know how to chill. We can teach people how to chill. And I use that word chill because that's actually the correct definition of the word nibbana or nibbana. <laughs> It's just chill, just to cool off. Everything is easy. When things are hard, we get hot. I mean, that's just normal physics. Yeah. When there is pressure, when there is uh, friction, then that creates heat. Mm -hmm. And here we are with no friction, no pressure, no heat, and we just chill out. Take the mind out of the oven. <laughs> <laughs> Or take the oven out of the mind is probably the better thing to do. Whatever is hot in the mind, just let it go. Throw it out, and we can chill back out again. So this is the basic practice, and as we keep practicing that of chilling out and chilling out, we recognize I can chill. I yeah. can this. And that's the fourth element, and this is the element in the Eightfold Noble Path called Sama Sankapa, 
that's often translated as right thought or right intention. Well, we can use the word intention because it's an attitude or it's a, um, uh, a leaning. It's the way that the mind tilts or leans. And so what we're actually doing is stop getting it to lean in the direction that it's about to fall in and get okay. it to lean upright so that it's not leaning anymore. So, so it's like um, getting used to building the habit of... Uh, right, good, that's uh, why it's a practice. Thoughts, right? And it's yeah. over and over and over again because there will always be unwholesome thoughts. We live in an unwholesome world. There's going to be unwholesome thoughts on and on and on and on. So it's not that we're going to get rid of unwholesome thoughts, it's that we're going to become super champions at dealing with them when they arise. Yeah. Okay, so another example is, is that here someone is digging a hole, maybe a grave with a shovel. And they're saying, well, this layer of dirt is different than this layer of dirt, and I'm going down to the deepest layer of dirt. The answer to that is no, dirt is dirt. Doesn't matter how deep you dig. The question is, can you empty this shovel full of dirt? That's all we have to do is just empty this shovel of dirt. Somehow the shovel gets full of dirt again, especially when we're digging. <laughs> and now we got a shovel full of dirt. We can't dig when we got a shovel full of dirt. We got to throw that shovel full of dirt out. So that's another way of, of um, practicing is because, in fact, if we hold that shovel full of dirt, it's going to get heavy longer we hold that shovel full of dirt but if we empty that shovel let the shovel down and say my job is done <laughs> then the shovel full of dirt's not heavy anymore so in that regard we're not really digging this is not going deep into meditation at all this is you know right at the very surface we can say oh that's too much work <laughs> i'm going to go dig let's lighten up So yeah, yeah, it's like doing things easily and uh, and just uh, learning the skill to choose the thoughts we want or not. So, mm -hmm. and, and as so we, that do way that, we can have the choice, right? Yes, and as we do that, we develop a set of skill: the skill of happiness, the skill of joy, the skill of what is called sukha and pity, being a champion, feeling success, being in celebration, as well as having the mind applied to this. And being able to stay there, that we stay a champion, we stay successful, we stay satisfied. And then the mind will get wander away into some dukkha. And then we say, never mind, I see you. Let's start again, come back, apply the mind to the wholesome and keep it there for a little while. That's the only practice that we have is the practicing of getting the mind into a good state and keeping it there for a short time. And pretty soon, that short time begins to broaden. And we also spend less time carrying that shovel full of dirt. All we have to do is remember to empty that shovel. Just throw it out. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So Anapanasati actually begins to get, begin an actually an easy practice. It's the easy man's guide to enlightenment. Because you're already enlightened. So the guide is, hey, sit down, man. You're enlightened already. <laughs> there is a book, by the way. It's called The Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment. 
<laughs> is it about this uh, this practice? Right. The, the the lazy man's guide to enlightenment is to realize you're already enlightened, and right now it's okay to be lazy. Just be lazy. You don't have to fix anything. It's okay to be lazy. Well, you know something? That word lazy is almost a dirty word in our language. Yeah. There's yeah. rules against being lazy. And the Buddha here is teaching. It's okay to be lazy. Enjoy lazy. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot of guilt uh, around being lazy. Right. That we're supposed to feel guilty. Why? Because then we'll stop being lazy and go do yeah. what we're told to do. Yeah, and, and also people are afraid to feel um, not feel guilty when they're lazy because that would mean they will keep going and keep doing this and then they're scared mm -hmm. of where they're going to end up. That's right, really, so we need uh, to actually give permission to be lazy. It's okay yeah. to be lazy. Yeah. It's fine to be lazy. There are no repercussions for being lazy and in another way, it's very powerful mm -hmm. to be lazy that you're actually developing the skill of power by being lazy. What power is that? The power to not bother to get shit done, which means you're not doing shit. You're not doing stuff. That's very powerful. Yeah, you don't care. You become unmovable. Mm -hmm. mm, I'm that lazy. I'm so lazy I don't go nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that's a, that Zen koan that you've heard, no place to go and nothing to do. And the spring comes and the grass grows by itself is so highly rated in Asia. But in America, that is the height of laziness. That's being too lazy. Well, the problem is, is that we need a balance and we've already been uh, now out of balance by working too hard. And so we now do need to rebalance by having permission from time to time throughout the day to take a rest and to take it easy and be lazy. We can recuperate, gain our mental strength and our mental health back because we're not draining it out all the time, not giving ourselves to do. So this is the, the job that needs to be done, has already been done. It's okay to be lazy now. You finish the work. Even the slaves at sundown can sit down on their bag of cotton and rest. But the white collar worker, he's got to work and work and work and work and his, his you know, he's got to sleep. But that's a bodily requirement. Other than that, he's got to work and think and work and work and work and work. And we're put into that situation yeah. by our society. And so now by balancing that out, we learned it from time to time. We could be lazy and when we get really expert at it, we could be lazy often and still get just enough done that you're very satisfied. Mm. Is it also a matter of um, when you're doing stuff, you're playing with it instead mm -hmm. of like, uh, like you're being lazy all the time and what you do, it's uh, coming from a play Playful, it's a uh, toy. Everything's to a toy. Exactly. Now, when we do stuff, we don't have to do it because we don't want to be lazy. We can do it because we like doing it. You don't it's, expect it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, 
whatever results of the labors are is irrelevant. The question is, are we enjoying what we're doing? They have that kind of thing in sports when they say that it's not the winning or losing, it's how you play the game. Well, that's also true in general in life. It's not whether we win or lose or get the job done. It's do we enjoy what we're doing? And often when we're enjoying what we're doing, instead of having it important, then there's no anxiety in it. And so we wind up doing a better job at it because we're paying attention because we like what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. And there's so many examples of that. One of them is the example I've got an old friend in America. He was an ET and I was ET in the Navy doing ET work, uh, electronic technicians. And he had, after he retired, he did a television repair system, but it was the repairing of the old kind of TVs before digital electronics, right? And so he was really good at that, but he wound up with a basement and an attic full of of, uh, old TVs that he couldn't repair, right? But now that he's retired, even from that, he can play with them and he puts back together one or two TVs a week. Just by playing with them and finding old parts from other old TVs, and he rummages around and you know what's there and he can put together and get an old piece of junk going just because he's playing with it. Now, that's the skill very few people have is taking yeah. junk out of a junk bin and make it get function again. He was a master at that. I really appreciated him. He knew what he was doing, but he didn't when he was in business because then the TVs were important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now the TVs are not important. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Now that the TVs are not important, he can play with them and get them fixed and working. But there's many examples of that kind of thing. This is what we call a hobby. And many times hobbyists are better at what they're doing than professionals. I definitely noticed that uh, and I care a lot about my business and stuff, I do stupid stuff. (laughs) When I don't care, I just, uh, you know, being more mindful even to people and being more uh, generous with my time, with everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, a much okay. better way of living when things are just not important anymore. We still get a whole lot of stuff done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes we get stuff done we couldn't get done when they were important. Now that they're not important, we can play with it until we get it done. Yeah. Wow. That's that's just when we understand that about jobs and tasks and TVs and repairs and that kind of stuff, we can recognize, no, really the issue is our own mind. That's what needs to be repaired. And when we get the repair done, then everything becomes a toy. It's always um, a play of Leela, they call it. That's what Mm -hmm. the word Leela means, the dance. Everything is just dancing. And all we have to do is just enjoy the show. Just enjoy the show. So, <laughs> uh-huh. so this is how we practice. We practice with those four things to remember, to look, to change, and to enjoy. Okay. Noted. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll see so you later. Good.
Call back. Right. You go practice this for a while. Oh, wait a minute. Practice. You have more questions? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. We've been talking, but uh, you have more questions. So go ahead. Um, well, actually, it was about um, how to go about goals and stuff, but I feel like uh, for now it's fine. I'll, I'll apply this. And uh, I'll come back to you when... Uh, Okay, right. When that's I a, big, that's a long more. topic, but let's practice it getting the mind fit for ladies, yeah. and then we'll talk about ladies. <laughs> oh, no, I, I mean, in goals, uh, like uh, how to go about, uh, you know, uh, maybe I want to, to do something, uh, like fix a, a goal or something. But uh, one thing at a time, I'll just go practice. And, uh, that's Excellent. Good <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll see Thank you later. Thank you very much. I'm really Have glad you're calling. I like this. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye.